0: anchor.fm is the best podcast streaming platform and hosting platform out there on the internet everything's free uh, to upload free to download free to listen Uh, they give you an ad Ad right off the rip for you to make sure uh, that you're making some money Uh, but the big thing it's free you can edit it right through the <clears throat> right through the app itself um it's everything you need to make in a podcast all in one place um but the big thing is you got to download the free anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today still
1: big expensive tv i mean right, after so you... the
0: annoying lady yelled at us for recording I even this bill squire can afford big tvs joe
1: yeah and i don't want to have to deal with the maintenance I could get a fish tank like that. I'm sorry. I've been watching. I think you should leave. So I'm in, so the I. <laughs> I'm in that mode. I just want to yell at people. I could afford a fish tank. I just want to, don't want to deal with the upkeep for a saltwater fish tank. You think I can't afford fish tanks? You think I
2: can't afford a fish tank? I'll get a fish tank right now, Joe. Since I was a little baby boy, I wanted a fish tank. <laughs> Welcome
0: to the Joe and Bill Squire podcast. Uh, I'm Ray Roberts. <laughs> Um, did you, did you
2: watch the whole season? Sorry, I'm just I'm, I'm like watching out, right. it for the second time already. Like, it's oh my god, that's what I'm gonna do. As soon as we're done with this, I'm just gonna re watch all of I Think You Should Live. Is this the two. show
0: with the guy in the hot dog suit that I see all yeah. the time? Yeah,
2: okay, yeah. I'll I wait was until the
0: next time I come to Cleveland, and that'll be our next show. You can make me hip to Joe.
2: What was the first one?
0: Uh, Formula Uh
2: Oh, that's right. Uh, I haven't got into that one yet, but I heard that's a great show. It's um. If you don't know anything about Formula One, I think that's when it's the best. Yeah, because I didn't think I didn't think it was a real you have like show. Like a first.
0: lot of drugs over like three days of a weekend, and that's all you do is just drugs and watch Formula One racing.
2: Hmm. Yeah,
1: that sounds fun. It's uh, like, do do drugs enhance the Formula One racing experience that much? A thousand percent. Okay.
0: yeah, because especially if you're coming in blind, like if you come in blind and somebody just turns this on like clockwork orange style, like you're forced to watch this because he's letting you sleep at his house uh, for free. Um, And then you just are you have no choice. And then he's like, hey, isn't this show great? And then for the first four hours, you're like, no, the show sucks. Then like the fifth hour, you're Stockholm syndrome into it. And then you change your entire life because of it.
1: Wait, so it takes four episodes to get good, or does Pretty it? Pretty much
2: depend on how much drugs you do watching. It? I think it. I think it. Does it depend on? Because I started watching it because I got the COVID vaccine, and I was like, I need something to get me through this, and it was Formula One. And it's and then Ray came over like the day after I got vaccinated, and I was like, Hey, I'm too tired to do anything, but check this out. And then we just watched it for four hours straight. I don't know. <laughs> I'll give it a shot,
1: but if I don't like it, I'm coming for you, Joe. That's fair. I'm coming for you. Did you also go for Ray, or is it just me? I feel like it's uh, more on you because you introduced it to Ray. So, like, if I had to, if I didn't know who had introduced it to Ray, then I would have to go to Ray and find out, you know, who introduced it to him, and then figure it out.
0: It's like finding out who gave you herpes. Is yeah, exactly. Really but if
1: I, since I already know that you're the one that pushed this on him, you're the a man. I have to come at you the real hard. Yeah. Um, should sure we introduce our our uh,
0: distinguished guest? Um, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Sorry. It's kind
0: of a he's kind of an up and comer in the uh, Cleveland comedy scene. Um, mm-hmm. I knew, I knew as soon as I saw him uh, at. Um Barrio in uh in Lakewood. I knew that this kid had whatever it is, this kid had it. Um, so I knew that he'd be he'd be somewhere someday. Um, and
1: you just saw me eating there, it wasn't even at a comedy show, I was just there on a <laughs> eating. and he's like this guy's got it, just the way he eats tacos well, if there was he puts a microphone in like, his mouth.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Bill Squire just hijacked our bit and made it better, um yeah. just instantly. But no, WMMS, uh, Bill Squire Show. Um, is this your second album coming out? Third, fourth? What is this next one?
1: All right. So this one is, all right, let's go through every single one because I've done a lot of things. So the first one that I ever released was called Sarcasm Bus. Uh, then I did, what was next? Uh, Just Say Your Jokes, which is also like on. Very good youtube and stuff like that and like i I, that's one that like there's some jokes on there I'm like and i showed them to joe he's like oh no those are fine like i thought they were like cancel worthy but some people think they might be i don't know but that doesn't matter uh it's funny uh then i did crowded and then after i did crowded i did a project called bill squires perfect 10 where i released 10 new minutes every month for a year i remember that yeah. So, so that, that, that still exists. It's on YouTube and it's, you know, I think it's just on YouTube at this point. And I think like maybe Pandora, but uh,
0: do you still use any of those jokes? Because and I, that's a good, I mean, just to jump straight into comedy talk. Cause it's yeah. like, I mean, you have to constantly be writing and if it's 10 minutes every month, you're just like, it doesn't matter if it's good, but you have to come out with good chunks out of that. Right.
1: No, I came out with some great chunks that like, so what, what, And then some of that stuff developed into stuff that's on this album, stuff that's on my album after that was uh, uh,
2: Decisions Decisions Are
1: not My Thing. And then that was in 2018. And then I did uh, The Legend of Bill Squire, which came out in 2019. And then uh, 2020, I put out like a short little like 15 minute album, like an EP uh, that was just uh, just a put something out in 2020 just because it was such a depressing year and I had a good recording so I used something uh and it was it's good so th- but this is my first time I've ever worked with a
2: like place like a, a record uh, label so all the other stuff was just you putting it out on your own yeah oh that's wild I didn't know that yeah.
0: How did you feel about the 15 minute EP thing? Because I I mean, it's not on the same level because yours is probably not just you on your couch bored on like an afternoon um, going through old recordings and putting it up uh, last minute. But like so many people gave me shit for just throwing like jokes up because I was bored. I was like, do you know what I'm going to try to do like sound editing, all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I threw it up and I got some shit because I was like, hey, I'm excited about this. These are jokes that worked that night. Um I think they're shareable. It's only 15 minutes and people still like were shitty about it. Did anybody get those people
1: about it? and the people that were shitty about it were comedians that have multiple albums out and have done big things or were just other
0: that's a valid point. Yeah you, you make a good point. It's not like I, I it's not like I hold it Um, and I say this all the time to people is like, we're not like best of friends or anything like that, but I knew Bill Squire before he was Bill Squire radio. I know Bill Squire hanging out at Stone Tavern, like being just great at comedy. And it's like one of those, like, I'm sure Bill Squire, even if I'm on your radar has seen me go through like being a shithead and being a giant asshole and then caring what people think. And now I'm like in this like super like, forgiving myself kind of deal and like yeah. starting fresh so it's not one of those things that like weighs on me but I was just just but because it's, you it's, did it's something a weird similar.
1: reaction to trying to do something instead of, yes. kind of being like hey that's cool you tried something we appreciate the effort and it's not like you were trying to I mean make millions of dollars you're just like hey I put something out give, give it a shot and I think that's something that is really scary to people and so when when they when people see you doing stuff and trying and even just trying to produce stuff on your own like it's it's very they're very uh put off by it because that means that they could be doing something but they're not and so instead of trying to figure out how they can do something they just want to stop you from doing something and try to hold you down because there is a chance that you you did that and you learned something and then the next time you put something out it's going to be even better and the next time you, you create something, it's going to be even better. And so their their whole thing is, well, I don't feel like doing that work. I'm just going to ridicule him for
2: putting something out because I don't have the guts to do it. Do you, do you feel like there's like a point where you put out enough stuff where you have like a fan base where that gets better? Like you put no. out your first thing and it's <laughs> <just> kind of, oh, <laughs> really? <right, man." laughs>
1: well, the, and the thing is, because the, like I put out so much stuff and. This is like decisions aren't my thing I pro- promoted pretty hard uh but like the EP that I did and um what's it called um the legend of bill squire I just kind of put them out there cuz I wanted them to be out there like they're kind of moment in time stuff like especially the legend of bill squire like a lot of that stuff dealt with a breakup that I was going through in that year and like I really loved the material like it's not the tightest set but like there's some really funny bits in that stuff so I was happy to just have it exist in that form and I didn't like put it out to sell a million copies or anything like that I just wanted to make sure that those jokes will live on in some form and you know I, I and I've taken some of them and I've reworked them and, and put them in and that's kind of thing too is like people are like oh you can't do that from like set to I'm like eh, in the day and age of streaming you can do whatever you want. And so yeah. there's there's versions of jokes in my new album that are from all sorts of like eras in my comedy career, because I did this one as a clean album. So I was cherry picking some stuff and rewriting some stuff and writing new stuff. And I just was uh, I'm not worried about it being on old albums because it it's all different. It's like the same, but it's different if that makes sense. Like there's nothing that's exactly the same as it was on any other album. Yeah.
0: And I think that's, like, I think, um, and it's one of those weird things from moving where um, this might sound like a slight, but I promise that it's not. Um, Where it's, like, I can be, like, oh, like, people that I know, like, Mary Santor or Bill Mm -hmm. Squire or um, any of, like, the list of the people that we know that are, like, killers, but then you go three hours any direction and they're, like, who?
2: And you're, like, come on,
0: guys. And so, like, it's out there and, like, somebody from, like, russia can find it and become like a super fan where well, for the longest i was worried like oh if i put that out i'll never be able to say it again but then you're like it who gives a shit like yeah, who gives a shit?
1: And you can always you can always do it better you can always do and especially when you're doing it on your own dime like if you you know if you self-release stuff then just keep putting it out until you get it right i don't think it's that big of a deal uh and like for pandora like you'd think i would get a lot more plays from places like cleveland and akron but I get, you know, 20,000 plays on Pandora every month. And it's usually like Oakland is where like one of like my biggest areas like for, like in Texas. And and so it's it's just interesting how that stuff gets out there. And so there there are people that like listen to my stuff every day across the country that still like they just hear my voice, but they don't know who the fuck I am. That's what you know, they're they're enjoying yeah. it to some degree because they keep playing it.
2: Is there, so when you put out, first of all, how far in a comedy were you when you put out the first album? and Uh, Do you think that helped you, like, get shows and stuff after you did it?
1: No, that's the thing about
2: comedy albums (laughs)
1: is, like, unless you have the best album, like, it's, I mean, even Mary was talking about this, like, she did such an amazing job promoting her album and selling albums and doing everything, and then she's, like, two weeks later, she's, like, no one gives one fuck. Like, no one... (laughs) No one cares. I'm like, well, that's how it goes because albums aren't like, I mean, unless you have like Chad Daniels' level of success where he put it on, you know, he got it on Pandora and he gets a million streams a day. And so when he gets that many, then it brings a lot of attention to him. So if you can, if you can, like that's, that's kind of the best case scenario. So that didn't happen with any of my albums where like, yeah, like, there'd be a little bit of uptick in people wanting to come and see me, but it wasn't like bookers were like, Hey, we heard this album. We got to get you on a show.
0: Do you think um, just because you said like the Cleveland Akron thing, because I think one of those, like one of the cool things that I talk about to people and it's easier when it's not me, but like, um being on the radio and in those areas that obviously helps you sell tickets in that area but does it like not kneecap you but like stop you from branching out at any point because you have to like be there for that or do you like i know it's good and it's a job and it's like one of those Mm -hmm. stable jobs in entertainment that nobody ever gets and you got it by being funny and, and working hard but like do you think at some point like it would ever get in the way of you like doing Cause you're on the Alan Cox show and you yeah. have the Bill Squire show podcast, but like right. you're on somebody else's thing with somebody else's name at any point. Does that like, obviously this isn't on the record. Nobody listens to this, but like, is that <laughs> something that like you like ever cross your mind at some point?
1: Well, I mean, obviously like everybody thinks about that, like what's, what's the next step. Cause it, it could also, you know, it, it's Alan's show and he, he might someday go someplace else. So I always feel like that's, you know, like they, they encouraged us to, to start podcasts at iHeartRadio. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to take this and run with it and figure out what I need to do to create a successful podcast. And then when it comes to stand up, like it, it takes so much to get a following nationwide that, like, I'm happy to have one in the Cleveland area, but it's really difficult to uh, imagine it go, getting to like a, a nationwide level. So I'm, I'm happy to have consistency here and stuff like that. But if it, you know, it's more of a bridge that I'll cross when I get there. Like if something takes off or, you know, if I was basically the way things have gone, there hasn't been any reason for me to want to even leave the Alan Cox show because it's so much fun. I make good money and I like working with him. Like I, like, I definitely wouldn't want to work on another radio show with anybody, but Alan, like I, I think the the relationship that we've developed over the last eight and a half years has been very just good for both of us in, in, you know, especially me to to just have somebody that like we have chemistry, we know how to just, even if we don't have anything to talk about, we can find something to talk about. And uh, I think that's definitely rare and we don't have to have like a contentious style where we argue with each other we can we can just kind of riff and goof off and have a good time so and that's one of the uh, cool uh, things
0: about like like your guys' show because i mean um shout out to my buddy jimmy um he's going to be pumped about this because i mean we listened to alan cox show like when it was alan chad and erica Mm -hmm. and like they would do like comedy shows in like the basement of like kent state um like student center Yeah, like that oh, was like my introduction to stand up was because Chad ran that show and then like yeah. Alan was there. And then I think you've probably done it a few times. Yeah, I did it at a couple least. times. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it was like one of those like that's like a lot of people's like introduction to comedy. Mm-hmm. um, But it's got to be like very weird to like end up seeing that like it's like a popular show, but it's positive. Like you have like the R.M.G. guys and nothing against them. It's just like because a lot of people love that. But, like, mm-hmm. they're, like, shitting on each other all the time. And you guys just, like, play off of each other. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. there's, like, jokes and fun stuff. But, like, it's, like, an overall positive show, which is weird in 2021. Yeah, and
1: I think that's just the environment that we kind of want to go to work in every day. Like, you know, Alan kind of sets the culture. And he he works very hard to put together a show. And, I mean, it does. We do go at Pound Cake uh from time to time but that's more from a place of like hey man you say you want to be a professional broadcaster and like have your own show someday we'd like to see some initiative and he in then uh he doesn't always show that initiative so uh Is but it's, it, uh... It's, it's 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 just fun and i think it's just like i don't want to go to work walking on eggshells worried that someone's going to tell a story about me that i don't want to be told to you know thousands of people
2: because i was gonna say is it is it like weird when you got that job coming into that situation because it's like you're not really friends with them yet so you kind of just have to like have that chemistry off the bat because you're on the radio like ray and i were like yeah we're good at hanging out let's do a podcast Mm -hmm. but then you were like you just had to come in and like kind of fit in almost yeah well and that was
0: a weird time not to jump on your answer but that was like on the heels of like not to like drum up drama or whatever, but Chad was like a buddy for a while. And yeah. like you started filling in when he started being a shithead and like all that stuff. And then of course it got like contentious, like that, all of that on top of doing that too, had to be weird.
2: Yeah.
1: There was a, there was a lot going on. uh. But what, what it comes down to, like I was just trying to get a job. Like, I, I mean, I was out doing, like I had dates, like I was doing really well on the road, but it was just, it was, is very hard being on the yeah. road's hard. And I was presented with an opportunity to, to be, to have a consistent paycheck and be like home around my kids more and stuff like that. And it was a hard decision to make because like, you know, Chad was a friend and, but his reaction to it was so strange and like, he was so angry and so like felt betrayed. And I'm like, I'm not trying to betray you. I'm just trying to take advantage of, we the situation job opportunity and, yeah
2: yeah, yeah. he's so he's my gotten... he was
0: my first comedy hero so uh <laughs> i mean that changed quickly yeah uh so that was
2: uh so but again like he he was your he first did... comedy hero like not like chris farley or somebody
0: no like just be, that's how i met savat was yeah. uh my boss at the time thought that i was calling savat chad Zumak, and i just wanted to meet him uh, because I'd seen him do comedy a thousand times and I was like this is not even possible that like a guy who does comedy is like in a spot that I would be at and then like now six years later or whatever you're like anybody can walk up and grab
1: a yeah microphone. anybody it's can like walk nothing. up I mean <laughs> it's it's well comedy is the like the closest to like you kind of have to be close to that level like you know Jerry Seinfeld and Chris Rock aside or, or Dave Chappelle but like If you're still trying to figure things out or or just build it like, you know, like Mark Norman's a guy that will go and do hilarities and then he'll be like, hey, is there another mic? I got some stuff I want to work on. And so like if you're like a touring road comic that's, you know, starting to sell tickets like you, you might hit up another mic in that city because you're you're just trying to work Mm -hmm. on stuff. And so we've had that happen from the like through because of hilarities and the improv
2: for years at mics around Cleveland, which is very cool. But uh, yeah, I know like one of the like right after I started doing actual stand up, Joe Coy came through like the East End one time. Oh, man, that was the best night. And I was like so nervous that I just like gave him like the most awkward high five of his entire life. And then someone was like, hey, you should come on his tour bus. And I was like, not after that high five. Like I didn't learn it. And I just <laughs> walked home.
1: <laughs> we that was so much fun. So he came to East End and. Yeah, he was just he's like, I just want to hang out and like just chill and i was like but do you want to do a set and like i went up and he's like i see him standing in the corner i'm like joe do you want to do a set now he's like yeah i saw your set and made me want to get on stage (laughs) so he came on and, and he did a set and it was great and then we went on his tour bus and went and sang karaoke and then we went to uh my friends and it was just like a wonderful like like surreal experience to just be like hey this guy sold out the roxino uh tomorrow but tonight he's just Taking local Cleveland comics around on his tour bus, and just you know buying drinks for everybody. He bought like the entire like he paid everyone's tab Mm because I was like he 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 just didn't. It blew his mind how inexpensive drinking in Cleveland was, and especially at East End where like you can get Patron for four dollars. And he's like, "How much is this?" And I was like, "Patron's four seventy five or something like that." And he's like, "Just put the whole bar on my tab."
2: The whole bar, he paid for the whole bar. He paid for the whole bar.
0: Yeah, Cleveland's got like that reputation. I remember I went to DC like years ago when I was like in heavy party days. And like they're they were like, How are you handling our our alcohol prices? Because like a pack of cigarettes was $15. Like Mm -hmm. a beer, like a PBR was like six or seven bucks. And they're like, We love it when we go to Cleveland because we'll just like they'll just stock up because everything's so much cheaper.
1: So cheap uh going back real quick though to like the process of getting on the alan cox show like that that chemistry had to come but like i it's not just chemistry but it's like knowing how to do radio and i kind of knew it from doing interviews on shows like i was a traveling comedian that would pop into shows and i knew you had to bring energy and it had to have something interesting to say and you know you didn't always have to be funny there's a lot of different things and so I auditioned against a bunch of other comics. And so, like, people that don't like me will always be like, oh, you just fell into this job. You only got it because of this and this and this. And I'm like, hey, I had a fucking hell of a time getting that job because there's really funny people that were also going out for that job. And there wasn't one night that I felt like I had it sewn up until I officially, like, signed the paper. Like, till oh, wow. I actually, like, became a member of, like, the Alan Cox show cuz even like those there was like 2 weeks where it was basically me but it took a while for them to get the paperwork through to actually hire me it was the longest 2 weeks of my life it was terrifying but it, it finally
2: came through and it was it's it's been a really uh, fun ride so when that That's, happened oh, did you have like sorry did you have like road gigs scheduled still that you had to like finish oh uh, i canceled or? a bunch of them because, canceled like okay. i was happy like once i actually
1: was like the guy like alan told me i was the guy but i hadn't signed yet like i i had a week in michigan and i'm like man do i want to go and i was like you know what i'm here for this job like i'm here to do this job now and i'm not going to be the road comic anymore so i wanted to show him that i was committed so i canceled the, that weekend and i was like I'm, I'm gonna be here this is where i want to be i don't want to like be like missing half the shows because I'm not doing road work, which they were open to me doing that, but I didn't want to do that because I thought it'd be more beneficial to just be there on a daily basis. Yeah. Uh, And, and I, and again, I was just like burnt out on the road. Like I did the road for, I mean, I started in 2004 and I started doing the road pretty heavy in 2005, like not good gigs either. Like I'm just like, I was just on the road. So for, you know, until 2013, when I got hired, that's, that's a long time to be just driving and staying in hotels and sleeping in cars and just being exhausted all the time.
2: Yeah. What was the, uh, what was the first like road gig you ever did where you're like, this is it? Uh, Well, the first week I ever worked
1: like a paid gig on the road was at, I was hosting at a comedy club in uh, Westminster, Colorado called it, oh, wow. wits end and that's just like north of denver i believe and it was a show with two local people and then i was the out-of-towner so like the headliner was local the feature act was local and i was the so i got to stay in the comedy condo all by myself which was like wild so like that mm-hmm. was something that was cool because i was 23 at the time and i'm like look at me i'm in a condo just being a you know a comedian staying at a condo just like i've read in books and heard about stories about and stuff like yeah. that so that that was really cool and then that was the same week that mitch hedberg died and so i was like oh man one of my comedy heroes just died and now i'm doing comedy on the road like it's and like this is the most embarrassing thing that i have but like i was like it's up to me now like i <laughs> <thought. laughs>
0: <laughs> it's the worst.,
1: yeah, but it was it was uh, yeah, it was nice to be on the road. so like I, I would string along these like gigs and like I loved it at first. and there's still part of me that really likes going on the road. It's just not as like I, I need a lot more amenities yeah. now where like back then, like staying in a condo was the dream, and now I'm like, that's disgusting. I need a nice hotel. Uh, I need it to be dog friendly. And I, uh, yeah, I just need, I'm, I'm too high maintenance
2: these year these days. That's, I mean, I, I just, I did like my first out of town show in Sandusky a couple weeks ago, and I stayed in like the Wolf Inn. was, it, it's not like Grateful Wolf Lodge. It was like a knockoff. It was like <laughs> everything you described, and it was like abysmal. And I was like, just, they had like a office chair in there, and I just sat in it, and I was like, we did it. Yeah. Yeah. Right here now. Yeah.
0: I, I did that when I came back the first time, just like I was. Going to be in town for Christmas and then I like we just canceled plans because COVID was still happening and I flew in and I was going to stay at my buddy's house. And then I was like, do you know what? We're not doing this right. Like I need to stay in a hotel. Like I want my room. Um, I was also supposed to like interview with somebody on like the Browns podcast and or Zoltan uh, and I was supposed to interview him. I was like, we need good internet. So I found like a $30 a night apart or a uh, hotel and I was like, all right, this is like, I'm a professional, but it was just like the host, the amateur contest at funny stop. So what, like I flew in yeah, I was and in spent money and like got a rental car. just So like host the thing. And I like, was like, this is stupid.
1: So I drove, I drove to Colorado for that gig. And it was ridiculous. Like oh, it, I did that drive last year. It's like 18 hours. It's, it's a so far. And then, but I had two weeks. So i did those two weeks and then what i would do is as i'd come home from places i would stop in cities and do sets and, and try and find more work and that worked really well so like because I, I had nowhere to be i was just doing stand-up comedy and at that point still living with my parents and then when in 2006 i moved into my own place and it was like 230 dollars a month and by that time i was working regularly at the improv i'd started working at Hilarities. And so, just in, like as a host, I could get pretty regular work with both of those clubs and that would fill up my schedule. And then I go and do, I did a lot of stuff in like North Dakota and Minnesota. And, you know, that's just where like the bookers that I was working for booked a lot of stuff out there. So I just go out there for a few weeks and like one gig would pay for my rent for the month. So it was like pretty lucrative, really, for at that time.
0: Is it weird being, a regular at one of the best clubs in the entire country like we it's one of those weird things where like we hold the improv on like a pedestal because nothing against pete and the funny stop but like anybody can go down and get a set at the funny stop but Mm -hmm. like getting like a an actual weekend at hilarities was like and i was just hosting and i had to like call in favors and like (laughs) drove over like all that stuff to get on there but it was like one of those like all right, I finally got to do the main stage on a full weekend, and like, do you ever, does that ever get out of your mind where you're just like, all right, this is where I'm comfortable, instead of it being like, this is fucking hilarious. Yeah.
1: All right, I mean, so let me chill, tell you a story. Uh, so, Nick, when oh you, you have to when you headline bat. or you yeah. do stuff like that, like, uh, or just big things, or just like as a sign of respect. Nick gets you a bat from a place called Johnnyville woods and they're bats with that are engraved. And he gave me mine back in December when I was, I was just hosting for Mary's podcast. You can see it. And it's got WMS on it and everything mm-hmm. with that, not Mary's podcast, Mary's album recording. Uh, but he gave me one that weekend. And, you know, I, I worked there a lot when the pandemic was coming, you know, when they, I mean, I worked there a lot over the years anyway, but like, that was a, a big time where I would be there, whatever they needed, whether they needed me to headline or host or feature, whatever, whoever it was, I was there. And so Nick gave me that bat and I burst into tears. Like I couldn't hold back because I've like, it means that place means so much to me that I'll never take it for granted. And, and the, the, the way that they've helped me develop and helped me stay fresh as a comic, uh, is just. It, it's the best thing and like the relationships i've been able to build with them the people in that building and comedians over the years and just it's it's the best club and i'll never take it for granted
0: and it, it rules and I'll because fight
1: anybody that says their club's better well like never i about. did Man, a
0: weekend there like straight up like i've done since i've moved up here like the closest like club is uh skyline in um in appleton and I'll go up there and that was like, and again, nothing against the funny stop, but like I'm used to like working the funny stop where like the bar's right there and anybody mm-hmm. can come like hang out and like talk to you and you're getting yelled at on the stage and stuff which i think like it helps develop a thick skin yeah. but like the first weekend i did at skyline i was like oh this is a like there's a green room and i don't have to pay for diet coke and like if i need something else like i can go up there and get it and then you go to fucking hilarities and they're like hey do you want steak for your yeah, free you want steak? meal
1: yeah, yeah I don't like I mean, and, and I like Skyline. I've been to Skyline. I think that's a that's a great comedy club. They're great. And, I love them. like the, the great audiences. And I think that's really the the food and everything like that's a bonus when it comes to hilarities. Right. But what makes a comedy club great is an audience that is there for comedy, not just a night to binge drink, not just a night to just get out of the house, but they want to see comedy. And I think there's clubs that have developed that crowd because they, they care about the art. So like, they'll get people, they'll pack shows because the audience knows that they're going to like, they're like, I don't know who this person is, but I'm going to go because I appreciate the people that they put on stage here. And I think uh skyline does that. I think Ann Arbor comedy showcase, there's, I mean, there's countless clubs that do yeah. that type of show. Uh, and it's just nice to see. And that, that wasn't always the case. That's more the case now, you know, you got like the helium chain and stuff like that. Uh, And and, but like there was a a while, especially when I started where the club, I mean, they of course, they all want to sell drinks and make money and and move food, all that stuff that that's important. But they over the years, I think clubs have realized like, oh, cultivating the audience for this is just as important as the people that we put on stage. So we yes, we want to pack the room, but we want them to come here and have a great time and the way they have a great time is not by getting so drunk that they all get thrown out or, or the comics don't have a good, they want there to be a reputation of like, Oh, this is a great place to work. Uh, and and so I think that's the, those, those are the clubs that have lasted for through the years, you know, the, the, the Acme's the go bananas, all those places where comics are like, Hey, I'm going to come here even though I could go to a theater they'll, they'll get somebody that will come through there and just do a weekend because they love that club that much.
0: Why don't more people do what go bananas does and have that like one foot off the floor raised stage instead of like a full stage.
1: Because everybody thinks that they have to make these clubs like theaters and it, you know, they want to pack them out and they want to look nice. And like, you see what they've done with the improv like the improv in Cleveland used to have a stage more similar to that. Like it was a low stage, low ceilings. And when you got laughs in there, it was fucking thunder. Like it was like it would give you chills when you get a big laugh in there. And, uh, you know, it just but that it wasn't sustainable in a lot of ways to have clubs be that small because you you have to pack them out and and make money and and comics were making more money and and especially with the development of netflix and people they're like okay we're, we're competing with theaters now more than we're competing with like garage like uh, uh bar shows
0: mm-hmm. that's true so yeah, you have that, to, like i did that so you go have to bananas. level up yeah and you're like but it was perfect because like you're obviously you're elevated you're still yeah. up there but like you're just ahead over everybody else. And you're like mm-hmm. in that room and there's like tons of room in there. I don't know if that's just like the only place that's going to get away with doing that still. Cause it's huge. And I think they're renovating it. So it's probably yeah. gone anyways. Um, but it was just like, you're, you're in that. So it almost feels like that bar show, but you can tell it's professional because mm-hmm. they've got like the good sound. They've got you a little bit higher um, yeah. instead of just like in a corner somewhere.
1: I mean, it's it's a good spot, and, you know, I like clubs like that. I think New York has a lot of clubs like that. I mean, that's what the cellar is, if you ever been yeah. to the comedy cellar. It is the smallest room you've ever seen it, get that many people in it, but it's it's packed, it's low ceilings, low stage, and it's just the best place to, to see comedy because everybody is just, laser focused on the stage because there's nothing else to distract you and then you also get the fact that you're in new york city where you're getting the best comics in the world coming on stage one after another doing 15 minute sets, just fucking destroying and then someone else comes up and, and you know you see like a famous person he's like oh my god david tells on stage and then some guy that you've never heard of you know we have because we're comics and we know yeah. you know we're, we're always paying attention but somebody that like isn't like a household name will go up there and just do just as well because it's that level of you know that's the audience in the in the culture that they created for that room
2: so can i this is kind of like a different, slightly different topic but i've always wondered this and i kind of wanted to ask you about it so as long as i've been doing comedy like when i go to hilarities like the local staples that you always see there are like you john mary uh brian kenny uh polk who was like around doing comedy in Cleveland before you guys or did you guys kind of start that whole get that whole ball rolling
1: well um so Jason Lawhead and Mike Farrell were instrumental in creating a scene for Cleveland so those are guys that they used to work at Hilarities and then they ran a show called the Grimy 90 at Basavita Lounge in Lakewood uh which is next to the KFC but now it's like some taco place
2: oh yeah that, and that's so yeah that
1: yeah and that place was like awesome like this great comedy show every wednesday and that's like that was the first goal like that's the first shot like you know you guys talk about like east end or uh great lakes and like wanting to get on those shows like that was the first show that i was like once i get on this show it's gonna feel more real like i'm yeah. doing something and so it would it would just would we go there on wednesdays and like i eventually got up uh and it was awesome but like you could still smoke back then so like it, it was just people drinking and smoking and you could barely even see the stage because there was so much smoke in the fucking room because was all like bar people like like bar industry people that would come out after their shifts and you know the show would start at like 10 30 11 o'clock it was it was crazy though man. and and jason lawhead and uh mike farrell created that so those guys were around a little and they had only been doing it like a year before me mm-hmm. so like but they felt, you know, then Ryan Dalton was one of them that, you know, Maria Borgio, Joe Howard. So there, there was that class, but then there was also working comics like Charlie Wiener and uh, Mike Veneman. Mike Veneman used to teach a comedy class and I took his class when I was like six months in and I got to like perform it. That was uh, the first time I ever performed at the funny stop when it was still hilarities in Cuyahoga Falls. And that was fantastic. That was like one of the best shows I ever had that i mean especially to that point but there are people like that um that would just you know he kind of took me under his wing and helped me get booked and stuff like so so there was a scene before all of us but you know it kind of grew naturally because there's more demand for it and then there was more ways to promote because of social media And uh, so, but I appreciate all the things that those guys did to, to make it possible for us to get on stage in those early days and really figure out what the hell we were
2: doing. Yeah. Cause I, I I think I was driving home from polarities one night. I was just kind of like thinking about that. And I was like, maybe we just didn't have comedy before these guys. Like, cause I just didn't know what came before. Yeah. Well, and then if you go back even further, like you go back to like the
1: eighties, there, there was where, Progressive Field is now. There was a place called the Cleveland Comedy Club, and it's basically right where home plate would have been or would is now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that was like that was like Drew Carey's stomping
2: grounds and stuff like that. And I've seen him talk about it before. Like he yeah. said, he used to there like every night and stuff. And yep. So there's, I mean, there's a lot of iterations of
1: comedy scenes. I mean, Tammy Pescatelli was someone that would do shows here and and yeah. do very well. And I mean, so that just it's it's been uh, just a bunch of different generations of people, and
0: what do you think it is about Cleveland that? Because I mean, if you look at just like Northeast Ohio, Cleveland, whatever, however you want to. Like I'm very big on like every city in Northeast Ohio doesn't need to have its own scene. Like we're all part of the Cleveland scene because it's just so big. But like Caparulo, um, you said Drew Carey, Steve Harvey. Um, didn't Steve Byrne get started in his Kent State days? Um yeah, like yeah. just the list of Northeast Ohio compared to like everywhere else, like it's just a wild list of guys and women who have just just done great everywhere. What do you think it Cause it's almost like Boston was back in the day. Like, I mean, it's not like 30 of them that run all of the media now, but like you mm-hmm. can go anywhere and see Cleveland people from whatever scene actually doing well.
1: Yeah. I think it's just there, there's a work ethic to being from a town like Cleveland, like where, you know, there's, if you're in a town like Chicago or you're in a town like New York or LA and like you grow up there and you have a place to go every night, like you, you, you can, you can get a little lazy because you take it for granted. So in Cleveland, when you you have to put on good shows, and you have to learn all these different aspects of doing comedy. So you're not just going up there and doing a show, you're you're producing a show and you're, you're learning these ins and outs. And so I think that produces that just helps you with the business side of things mm-hmm. and, and helps you just want to succeed more too is like you're like well i i want to get to the point where i don't have to do all that sh- shit i just want to be able to be the funny guy and so that's why you get a guy like john caparula who he started here he goes to la and then also i think people are just funny uh from this area and i think there would be a lot more if, if if we were taken more seriously i mean you see like jason banks isn't from cleveland but he's from columbus and he's blowing up because of his tiktok videos and he's, he's got like five or six million followers on TikTok now. And he just oh, sold sure out did. like six shows at Hilarities and like the dude's killing it. But like a couple of years ago, he auditioned for Just for Laughs and they strung him along for all this time. And then they go, eh, you're not what we're looking for. And they just went with a bunch of people from the coasts again. So I think it's just there should honestly, like as much as there are like successful people from Cleveland, out there there should be way more because there's just not enough focus like like people oh you're from cleveland so we're not gonna take you serious
0: it's such a brand too, yeah. though. like not even a brand but it's a style Um, mm. uh, like tim tim dylan calls it like midwestern autism like which yeah. i think i think <laughs> hits like right on the head because like wisconsin's the midwest but like you come here and like we're we're still the Midwest, so we're like we're nice. But like there's also like that edge to it. Like just like that weird Ohio's been shit on for so long edge that like yeah. you get to it where like I almost had to learn to like, especially with handling people. Well, one, I was a shithead anyways, but like dealing with people here where you're like, Hey, I want to be on stage no matter what, like, give me stage time. I don't give a fuck who's here. Like p- that's like aggressive to a lot of people, but like, yeah. you almost have to take a step back. Cause like not everywhere's got like that weird edge to it.
1: Well, yeah. And I think it is the like little br- brother syndrome. I mean, you, I don't know if you guys saw the tweet about. New York City being like oh cloudy day in uh, New York is better, better than any day sunny day in, and Cleveland. Sunny day in yeah. Cleveland and then like Cleveland people all go in on this tweet and it and rightly so because they people you know New York's gonna always be there and it's always gonna be but like when you're from a place like Northeast Ohio where things have been down and you're part of building that back up and you know you're you're families from here and you've been you've seen it go through these waves of economic turmoil it, you you take some pride in the fact that you can get through tough times and you know there is there's a niceness about us but there's also like hey don't fuck with us either don't take advantage of us because that's when the nice goes away and we get a little bit cranky and so i think that that's what it comes down to that's where that edge comes from is just like people trying to take advantage of us and we don't like it
2: you know, I, I was like, anytime I see stuff like that, too, from like bigger cities, I'm like, oh, you guys are spoiled. Like, that's the word I always think of, too. And I'm just like, fuck them. Like, they have no idea. Well, they, they're spoiled, but also like, they're I mean, I bandana. lived in
1: New York for a bit. I live, I've live. i been to L.A. I've been in places. Like, and, and it's probably because of how I'm programmed from being in Cleveland. But I like being able to get around the city. Like, I don't think there's as much to do in those cities as people lead on as much as it takes a long time to do them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because you have to sit in traffic all the time and like you know there's yeah, there's I mean anytime I go to New York City, people are like, Hey, uh, I'm gonna take you to this bar. I'm like, we got bars in Cleveland too, man. I'm, and I, yeah. I kind of like them when they're empty. I kind of like yeah. an empty bar. So I don't need a packed bar. I don't want I don't want to be surrounded by people all the time. And that's what you get in a place like New York or LA, whereas in Cleveland you can you can kind of fucking spread out a little bit and have have some space to yourself.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Um, I have two more questions, uh, but the most important one uh, I have paid to see you do comedy, which is like a very like it's always like a weird thing to tell people because like just doing comedy. Like, I don't remember the last time I paid to go to a comedy show um, just because you like when you do it for so I paid for Mark Norman last year. So that's a lie. But um, I paid for a show. I forget who the host was. Brian Kenny was the feature and you were headlining at the funny stop. And Brian Kenny, I think, might be the most underrated person in Cleveland, and I'm glad that he's getting a headline spot at Hilarities. What is it like following somebody like that? Because, like, I know you know it's how fucking good he worst.
1: Is. <laughs> 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 it's so hard. I gotta follow him on Saturday, and I fucking I'm tired of it, dude. I I don't like following Brian. I don't like following Mary. I don't like following John Bruton. I don't like like, and I can do it. I'll be fine. But it's it's hard because, but I'd rather follow those guys like yes. killers than somebody that you know is some some sort of like someone that bombs yeah. or isn't creative. I, I I want. I think that's a high level show, and, and Brian Kenny is a fantastic comic, and I agreed that he is underrated. the 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 reason Brian's not famous is because he has uh, medical needs that. So he has to have a day job to have health care. Oh. But once he makes enough money doing comedy. The dude's going to blow up because he's such a good storyteller. He's so clever. He's, he's so charming. Uh, Brian's just brilliant. So his bearskin
0: think... condom joke is like anytime somebody asks me what my favorite joke is, it's his bearskin condom joke that I heard seven years ago. and i don't even know if he still tells it and i don't even know if he still would like remember it but like that's the joke that i go to to like explain how good he is you want to hear something
1: crazy i actually wrote that joke for him
0: oh you Uh, motherfucker uh, (laughs) you just ruined you are my comedy hero now welcome to
2: i'm kidding i didn't write (laughs) that i thought you were were about to look at him and just be like i don't like that joke anymore i thought that's what was gonna happen (laughs) it's like no, that's a great joke. It's they're making them out of bears now. Yeah, <laughs> where are they
1: keeping awesome. all these bears? Big farms of bears, <laughs> yeah.
0: and it's just like the. And I'm like, I don't. And that was like when I first started doing Mike. So like, you just see how hard it is to come up with that good of a joke. And that was just like a middle of his set joke. That wasn't even no, like a closer.
1: It he, the first time Brian did one of my shows, uh, he did. I mean, he was like less than a year into it and he was great from the beginning and that's like one of the things too is like guys like brian and mary like they they had that performer performer in them right off the bat like if you go back and watch videos of me like there's one from like i was probably eight months into doing comedy and i'm at the improv and i'm just like this like no stage presence whatsoever i'm like it's just awkward and nervous but like i could write jokes but i wasn't much of a performer at that point point. and those guys have been good performers right off the bat and then the writing's been good right off the bat and it's really just like like just playing the the stupid games of this business is you know it's one of those things where like if if brian was in la mary was in la like they'd be super famous i feel like because they're they're just that good
2: my uh This is, I've I've talked to him about this, but Brian's first show back after COVID was like that East Fourth Street showcase they did at Hilarity's. And so they came out, we were at that show and they came out with the lineup, and the comic going in front of me was Brian. And I was like really nervous because I was like, oh, Brian's going to go up. He's going to murder. And he was like, oh, I haven't done comedy in like 15 months. I'm going to suck. It's going to be fine. And I was like, okay, that made me feel a little bit better. And then he went up and had like the best set of anyone yeah, on that show up it. until that <laughs> point. I was like, I was like, how was it to go back up? And he's like, dude, it
1: was great. I just ripped a bunch of stuff and it was fucking fantastic. And I was yeah. just like, yeah. yeah. Was just,
2: I was like, I was like, <laughs> I'm not gonna go yeah, talk about you, a Volkswagen Beetle for eight minutes and hope they forget <laughs> about that guy because he was murdered. <laughs> yeah. Uh it's
1: great. Is so specific like weird too. Like, and it's it's fun to see he- how b- different people develop like watching you guys develop over the years you know has been fun to watch especially like joe who i feel like you've gotten so much more confident on stage but without losing your kind of like nervous charm it's 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 still there yeah i know
0: yeah <laughs> well that's that balance too because like especially like I would never say like, you're trying to like, be like nervous. Like, that's just how you are as a person. Right. That's who he is. But it's it's
1: also, it's, it's a genuine nervous. It's not, I'm nervous to be on stage. I feel like you're comfortable on stage.
2: Yeah. But you're just, you know, nervous about being me. You're nervous
1: about having to
2: breathe. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm. It's, it's not, it's like, I've got over the stage right now. It's like, when I tell people jokes, it's about me, so I'm just nervous they're not going to like the jokes, and then, therefore, they're not going to like me. That's Can I ask you is. guys some
1: questions? Yeah. Please. What's the latest joke you've written? Um, like the most recent joke.
0: Yeah, let me look at my note, because it is actually very new um i told it last week trying to get it in there i have uh this corporate racial inclusion joke that i'm working on (laughs) uh and it's like it's a i just don't know how to dive into it because it's about moving to wisconsin um and i didn't realize like how much more white it was here until like uh black history month and like juneteenth came up Um, And then, like, my entire workplace that has, like, three black people working for it had, like, Harriet Tubman up on, like, our big screen as, like, a famous black person. (laughs) So, like, it's very hard to, like, ease into that with predominantly white crowds, Mm -hmm. one, and two, white crowds that are, that think it's impossible to laugh at anything that's racial, racial. but it's not racist, So it's like yeah, one of those, like, if a, there's black people in the crowd, they love it. Like, cause right. they're like, Oh yeah. Somebody from the outside sees it.
2: Mm-hmm. And I've
0: even like the last time I told it, I called it out. I was like, you see like the three black people here are dying. This is what happens when you actually talk to black people and know what's okay. Mm-hmm. And then like the crowd was like fine with it. Right. And it's just real weird.
1: Now that's a, that's a, that's a lot more difficult than my joke about twist ties. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to do more like one liner type stuff uh right now i just have a joke and it was like a tweet and i'm like i'm going to try this on stage it's actually been working pretty well and basically it's uh uh if twist ties screamed when you twist them back together my kids would never know
0: <laughs> yeah i saw that tweet and i knew that like Um, and I say this again, this sounds like it would be a slight, say
1: what you're going to say, you passive aggressive piece of shit. I'm
0: not being passive aggressive. (laughs) I just, I know like how, when I say certain things, they can come off as like a shitty thing, but it's like, Mm. you're one of my favorite, like comedians to watch actually work a crowd and then like ease them into whatever you're about to do next like you did a set at the funny stop where you're like I'm going to do some dark humor is that yeah. okay and then you like hit them with like a 5 out of 10 on the dark and then like then people are like oh this isn't dark at all and then like the last one is actually like up there dark so like yeah you're the you're the best at telling the crowd what's coming and still being able to pull it off, but, like, by doing it in such, like, I want to say, like, a poppy way, because, like, the rest of your set's like, I'm Bill Squire, and I'm happy, I'm the fun guy, blah, 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 Uh and then you're like, let's do something dark, and then still deliver on it after people are like, this isn't dark at all, like, it's just, it's so fun watching that switch and seeing you use the crowd, instead of, like, War, like you're not giving away your magic trick, but right. you're like, "Are we cool? We're all cool," and like well, you're yeah, not asking like, for permission. But
1: you're- and the reason I like to set them up that way when I'm doing that dark material is because I feel like because it it doesn't necessarily. I mean, I have some d- dark jokes in my set, but I feel like it just sets up everything to be like, "Hey, remember th- these are jokes. These are these yeah. are not statements about how I feel about the world. It is just." jokes right now and so that's that's why i want to i set it up that way and then also when i do some of the jokes that are are darker like then they go you know they go oh oh, oh." and then like as i ramp them up each time they're like okay it, it it it's fun to to play with that uh back and forth where it's like yeah you wanted dark jokes and then i'm giving you dark jokes and you're like oh that's too dark well too bad we're going even further now yeah and then they get excited about that.
2: Joe, like, what was
0: your joke? I stepped on top
2: of it. Oh, mine? Or Bill's? Yeah, your um, joke, your new joke. I don't know how I feel about this one. This is the most recent, actually the most recent thing I wrote was a sketch, but this this joke I wrote last week where I was like, because so I was watching the NBA playoffs, and they were talking about like Devin Booker, I think, or they were talking about Giannis, and they were just like, yeah, he's just built different. And I was like, no, he's he's built exactly how he was supposed to be built to be good at basketball. I don't know why they say that about the good players only and not the bad ones. <laughs> like they should be saying that about the dudes on the bench that suck but Giannis is built exactly how it needs to be built it's not a very good joke i realized that but it was the most recent one that i wrote I, I i get where you're going with that yeah there's no it's there's nothing to it though yeah i'm not gonna tell it on stage yet yeah, yeah i'm with um, you
0: <laughs> my last bill squire question is right. uh my favorite thing because like i said I remember Bill Squire, just comedian, uh, doing stuff at Stone Tavern, just chopping it up with everybody. My favorite thing is watching newer comics talk to Bill Squire, Cleveland legend, um, and watching just sometimes your face, like because you're nice to everybody, but mm-hmm. sometimes your face slips because you're just like, "Come on, dude, get the fuck out of here."
1: Um, oh, you should it? see it. You should see it these <laughs> days, like especially with like some of the listeners. Where they're they just like they don't figure out that like, hey, that we, we had our interaction, it's time to move on. And sometimes I, I just have to go like full like and that's that. And and now you go.
0: <laughs> but what's that like having just like cause I mean, especially if they're comedians and they're gonna hang out there. Like I'll throw Bill Stone right under the bus. Cause I talk, I give him shit all the time. Like Bill Stone, it's like the dudes met you a thousand times. Mm-hmm. He probably has your phone number. Like, how about we calm down like a little bit on the pictures and like, Hey, oh, it's Bill. Like, it's just Bill Spire. You're going to see right, him exactly. every and that's kinda, week.
1: That's kind of how I, especially with comics. I'm like, I'm, I'm around guys. Like you can, you can talk to me and it doesn't have to be like, you know, like, let things happen organically. Like don't, don't try and be my friend. And this is good advice for any comic trying to get to know another comic. Don't try and like, I cause I've got, I've been both sides of this where I've been like the cool guy that's handling it well around famous people. And then I've also been the guy that was like way too gung ho to meet one of my comedy heroes. And I tell them, you know, like too much about myself way too fast and it makes them weird and makes things uncomfortable. So I think it's just, you know, just just be around and be cool and like you know it's it's especially for me like i i i like getting to know comics and, and knowing their stories and knowing their motivations and you know i like trying to to learn from them too like i think there's a lot of very funny people like i don't have it all figured out so if, if you're funny i'll try and help you and you can try and help me and uh but you know if it's but don't try and like bogart my time either because i'm also yeah weirdly introverted at times especially and also wait for the show to be over (laughs) don't try and like especially with the show that i'm running like and you're trying to ask me all these questions like i i I have a million things in my mind right now this is these are after show
2: does does it happen a lot
1: i mean when i was running shows yeah it would happen a a lot a lot where (laughs) like especially when when people figured out that i would set up the shows at great lakes there'd be certain comics that would show up there that weren't on the show that were trying to get like, and that's fine. I appreciate that. Uh, But then they'd like try and have this whole conversation with me while I'm trying to set everything up. And I'm like, man, I'm trying to plug in these lights and make sure that this is all arranged properly. And you're asking me all this stuff. And it's just, it's not the time.
2: So you got to step back and just wait. my least favorite time, like in the hist like ever for people to try and talk to me is like right before I'm about to go on stage, where yeah. you're kind of like in the back and you're like trying to get out of your own head and somebody just is like telling so you about you been their doing day. This? Yeah. 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 Mine's
0: yeah, right cool. after. I would rather somebody, co- like, honestly, I would rather somebody come up and just like distract me from what I'm about to do cuz like yeah. it's like i'm waiting in line for a roller coaster and like right before you get on it like i every time i'm on a roller coaster i get so nervous like right before i get on and then afterwards you have like that adrenaline dump like i would rather be distracted where like i've done sets where like it went like super well like best sets of my life and then i come off and like uh at LVT once mary came up and she's like hey here's an idea for this joke and i was like oh yeah 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 but like it was just like that adrenaline dump like i I yeah. just got done talking like I would much rather her, her have like not her specifically, but anybody be like, oh, this is what you should do on your upcoming set. So then it's like, all right, now I have something different. But yeah. afterwards, to me, is way worse.
1: Uh, I, I I get that, especially like right right as soon as you step off stage. Like and it also depends on who it is. Like if, you know, Mary and I have a close enough relationship where if I come off stage and she's like, hey, I had this idea like that's that's absolutely fine for me. But if it were like, you know, somebody like somebody that I didn't know and they're like, hey, great set. But here's how you can i be like, that's not the time to do it. So I get that. Well,
0: I had to text her the next day like, hey, man, sorry. I was so like that. It was a great idea. And obviously, I love Mary giving me notes on anything because she's right. great. But it was like. Hey, it was like real weird. I just came off. I fucked up and I said, and instead of the, and I'm the only one who gives a shit about it. And mm-hmm. I'm like beating myself up for 30 seconds. And then you were talking. It could have been like Jesus himself, like came and said something right, to really. me and I'd be out of it. And she it's like, obviously she was fine with it, but. Mm-hmm.
1: It's all right. It's uh, it, This is the episode where uh, we found out that Ray doesn't like Mary. And that's fine. We'll call that title the episode that.
0: Here's the thing. It was very hard for was, me not to talk about Mary Santora more, because um, <laughs> it's yeah, it was super hard for me to, me to not talk to, drop to any you names either. Yeah,
2: yeah, it was real hard for me to not drop any yeah, people's well, names. I mean, Ray got Mary and Zoltan, and you know,
1: he got he got a, he got a nice list in.
0: Hey man, I get you. Drop <laughs> Chad Daniels and Joe Coy. Get the fuck out of here with my name drops.
1: You yeah, Chad Daniels is. Uh, I can text them both right now if you want. I dropped Brian <laughs> Kenny's name, pretty big. Yeah,
2: that's a good one. That's a good one. Also, I feel like a fucking idiot for shaving. You guys both have really nice beards, and i know I'm even brushing mine right now because.
0: Yeah, I'm... what a what a class Just move! Like, Just like yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got a five hundred dollar microphone that you can hear me brushing my beard. That's that's mm-hmm. Bill Squile. It's
1: not a. It's not really class. It's very unprofessional, but oh well. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know?
0: Seven people will listen to this, um, but seven, gonna sell seven more albums it's <laughs> getting lower get and down. lower <laughs> it's, it's, we exaggerate how low it is so people will share it with yeah. other people um is there Joe like, Briggs? oh go ahead i was gonna final wrap it question. up yeah
2: is there anything that we did today that was a huge faux pas as far as radio or podcasting uh allowing the guest to use a
1: brush on his beard that you can hear audibly that's probably the biggest thing. Uh, no, I think you guys. So did, we fucking crushed it. Okay, cool. you guys did a great job.
0: Okay. Um, did you, you had like know prepared questions
1: and everything? I think you guys had a like a, a very good
0: prepared questions. Do you think we prepare anything? You ruined our bit by being funnier. Like our whole bit was gonna be like we always knew this young and up and coming guy was gonna make it. Like that was gonna be our bit for an hour. Yeah, we know? were gonna
2: make up clubs that didn't exist.
0: This is plan B. B. Well, in
2: that case, then why you, you didn't stick with your bit? So no. Well, we realized it wasn't funny almost immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: uh, Joe, any shows coming? Hey, Bill Squire, did you know that Joe um, helps book this exclusive show? It used to be an open mic. It's called The Winchester. Yeah. Um, He helps run that. It used to be an open mic, but now it's like a super special show to get on. Joe, what's the next show to get on that? I can can hook you guys up so you can get on it.
1: Hey, that would be cool, honestly, because – Joe has never booked me on that show what yeah, yeah we have you have headlined one of them when was that when was that the date on there? I don't <laughs> know I feel like it's been a while I feel like the the yes. the, the post pandemic ones have been uh, like I can ask to do a set but I haven't been asked to do the show
2: I have, I'll, I'll text you I think we have a date coming up. <laughs>
0: Joe when's the next Winchester show and all that what do you got going
2: there's like hasn't been one in like two months because like Dean Delray is coming into town on Friday and then I think it's the end of the month I want to say it's the 27th or the 30th is uh, 30th or 31st is Liz Mealy's doing it as well um, so we haven't had the last like two months haven't really been any local people besides Jimmy. Also, I'll be um, at LVT tonight if you're looking for where I'll be. I think I'm a good LVT tonight, too. I think i will to work on some jokes. Yeah, me too. Um,
0: I'll do mine, and then, of course, we'll do Bill Squire last because everybody needs to buy shit. Um, I have a show up in Appleton area on the 17th for if anybody listens to that. Um, and then another name drop, Zoltan's coming on the 13th of August. It's a Friday the 13th show. Um, I think it's still it's not another so.
2: name drop if it's the same name.
0: Well, I'm dropping it again so people can understand that like I also have te- like I'm not I don't have Joe Coy's phone number, but I have like the next generation's phone number. All right.
1: Yeah, that's good. You start. That's a
2: start. It's good. And
1: right. honestly, I, no, I, I would bad. not feel good. I would not text Joe Coy right now. Chad Daniels. I would <laughs> Joe Coy, I don't think I get a response. Uh, Bill right.
0: Squire, I- Bam Bam coming out. Um iTunes, uh SoundCloud, uh Panda. <laughs> where can you get it? All
1: right, you can get it on iTunes or Amazon or Bandcamp. Those are the places like that you can buy it. You can stream it too. It's on there's a preview track on Spotify and Pandora and stuff like that. But uh really would appreciate if people bought bought like go and buy it on uh and then I have a bunch of other albums if you want to go buy those too. That's always cool. So there's links in the profile on my Instagram and Twitter at Bill Squire hit those up and, and go, go buy it. It's only 10 bucks and it's very good. I'm very proud of it.
0: Only $10. Um, and it's completely worth it. Bill Squire rules. Uh, thank you for doing this. Um, I'm going to promote this. I've, I I want to let you know that you are the name of the Bill Squire uh, triple threat or triple crown. I I bounced back and forth on it. Um, I didn't want to do it because you called it out on Facebook. So I had <laughs> for an integrity move, I didn't do it, um, but this will be on all three, so I, I I think we can get it on this one. So thank all you right. for your time.
2: Yeah, thanks for thanks for doing this, man. This was actually like really good talking about all the comedy stuff. All right, that, that was supposed you to guys, sound sincere, and it didn't. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm i, meant, I meant it, <laughs> Yeah,
1: <laughs> Joe, we hit end, L- and it's done, Joe. Don't so. go to LVT
2: tonight. Not with that energy.
1: Damn, he's right. <laughs> all
0: right, guys. Talk to you later.
1: All right, bye.
0: If you liked anything that you heard on this podcast or you want to become a stranger yourself, make sure you go to patreon.com backslash W-I-R-R to hear out all the things that you have been missing on this episode, uh, the things that we cut out, the good stuff that we uh, saved for our strangers, and you can also sign up to see the video podcast so you can see us uh, live and in-person, ad-free, with no edits at all, patreon.com backslash w-i-r-r.